0: Good morning. It is absolutely wonderful to be with you. I know we're well into 2022 but happy new year and uh, I do pray for you individually and for this wonderful community. I pray it will be a year of increase and blessing and life and, uh, and a greater intimacy uh, and understanding of the Lord Jesus. Ultimately that's who we've been singing about today and if you're a guest with us we make no apology for saying we love Jesus, we serve Jesus. Personally, Jesus has transformed my life. He's given me a hope and a future. And I can't really imagine my life now without Jesus. So it's one of those things. I was driving across at the M62 this morning, just talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't even know what my life would look like without you. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not even sure I would have a life without him, so, so I'm just just so blessed and uh, I was, on Friday I went to the cinema with my wife, it's our sort of Sabbath, our day off on a Friday. We did a, a Friday afternoon cinema, feels a bit sinful doesn't it, a Friday afternoon cinema and uh, and we went to watch the movie Belfast and uh, I found myself deeply emotional watching the movie, much more emotional than my wife, my wife's English. So she wasn't getting half the humor in the movie. And uh, it was based around the, the outbreak of the Troubles in 1969. And I was so emotional because I was remembering the grace of God. His grace that protected us, his grace that kept us, his grace that saved me, his grace that gave me a hope and a future. And I could have easily been a statistic in the Troubles. And yet, by God's grace, I'm sitting in a cinema watching a movie about Belfast. And I was just so grateful. And we, we've got to stay grateful. That's, what, that's why moments like this are so important for us, to remind us of just how blessed we are. And I know we're all facing challenges and we've all got uh, things that, you know, uh, uh, we're, 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 we're trying to negotiate in a 21st century world. But we are incredibly blessed to be loved by him. Amen? So listen, it's my joy this morning to share the word of God with you for a few moments. And I am concluding uh, a series called Go Again. And if you've missed any of that series, it's all on podcast, all absolutely free. You can access that. And I would really encourage you to do that. And I'm going to be reading uh, just a couple of verses from the words of Jesus from the book of Matthew chapter 7 so if you want to look that up you can matthew chapter 7 it's the very first book of the new testament i would encourage you, if you've got a bible look that up whether that's on your phone or your ipad or you've got one of these like old-fashioned things like me uh that grab that and just follow that with me now before i read the reading let me just give you a bit of context jesus has just preached um one of his greatest collective sermons. So Jesus does a lot of preaching and teaching through the Gospels, but this sermon's monster. In fact, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And um, if you think my sermons are long, this sermon starts at Matthew chapter 5 and finishes at the end of chapter 7. It's monster. It's a huge... Sermon, And what's really important about this sermon is that Jesus is really describing to us what his kingdom looks like, all right? So he's he's trying to speak to a massive crowd. Some of that crowd have already sort of made a decision to follow him, whatever that means. And others are still trying to work them out. And Jesus is describing what his kingdom looks like. In other words, here's what he's saying. If you follow me, this is what the world should look like in your world. This is how things should look in you. And this is how it should sort of flow from you and touch your world. And if you are a serious follower of Jesus, then the Sermon on the Mount is sort of a non-negotiable passage to read and think about. It really is something that we should be thinking about because it is the very core of the ideas that Jesus has. And in the little passage I'm about to read you, we're coming to the conclusion. and That's the start of my sermon, but it's the conclusion of Jesus' sermon. And he's bringing this to land. And so in verse 24, he says these words. <clears throat> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built his house on sand the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash when Jesus had finished saying all these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law <clears throat> Dawn and I, the woman I'm married to, we will be married 35 years this coming July. And in those 35 years, we have had the privilege, we've had the blessing of including our current home of owning four homes in that journey. Now, every single one of those homes without exception, we have improved. Okay. We've left them in a better state than we found them. And, uh, and actually, in some of the homes we've lived in, we've had sort of relatively little work to do. You know, apart from putting your own stamp on it and making it look and feel like yours. Other homes we've moved into, we, we really have done a fair bit of work to it. And I remember one home that we uh, purchased, and uh, I mean, in a lovely area, uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful home. We thought this was going to be where we were going to spend the rest of our lives, this particular home. And we decided... It didn't have a separate dining room, so we decided that we would convert the garage into the dining room. It sort of had a double garage, a sort of a lean-to thingy garage, and then an integral garage. And we decided to turn the integral garage into a dining room. Sounds simple enough, and we set to work on that. Well, when we say we, the builders, uh, set to work on that, had I been working on it, uh, it would still be happening and so and so these guys set to work and i remember in the midst of the work they called me in to the room they were working on and they said john we've got a problem and when they pulled the ceiling down of the garage in order to start the sort of the 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 the, the serious work on this extension they discovered that the the choice between the garage ceiling and the bedroom which was my youngest daughter's bedroom immediately above it were and i quote hanging together by a thread he said now we can't just fix this we're gonna have to get building regs in to have a look at this and of course you hear building regs and your your bowels sort of move don't they you sort of think okay we're looking at thousands of pounds here this is this is the end of my life what's going to happen here what if he condemns the house uh, and we end up, you know, get stuck, and it was a bit of a worrying moment. He said, "Don't worry about it. I think it'll be okay." But they brought this person in and and do this, do that, do the other, and fix it all. At the same time, we were uh, remodeling the upstairs bathroom, sort of turning one little room into an ensuite uh, bathroom, and then remodeling the other bathroom. When the builder started ripping the floor out, he said, "John, come and have a look at this." And he said, "In the corner, right in the corner of the shower." Uh, It had been leaking for years, apparently. And he literally took his finger and he put his finger through the floor. He said, I don't know how you guys haven't ended up in the kitchen when you've been having your shower. Now, when we bought that house, it looked amazing. But when we got onto the surface, it wasn't so amazing. And actually, there's a profound sort of idea here that Jesus is driving at in this sermon. And it's really, really important for us as we hear this conclusion, as we think about being a follower of Jesus in general, and then we think about our journey as Bridge Church in particular, that Jesus is driving at this idea that superficiality, what's on the surface, is not enough. Now, we live in a, Superficial, obsessed generation. So if you've got anything to do with social media, you know this is true. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's, it's all about a superficiality. I was sitting in a restaurant not so long ago and a family came in and I observed the family because they were all on their phones as they came into the restaurant. They sat down at the dinner table together. Nobody talked to each other. They all looked a bit grumpy, I have to say, to be quite honest with you. Hope I'm not judging them for that. And they're all on their phones. No one's talking to each other. Then suddenly one of the members of the family said, let's have a selfie. Okay? And then everything changed. I'm not exaggerating when I I tell you They all came together. They all looked at the camera and they all smiled. And they looked amazing at that moment. And then as soon as the click happened, they went back to not talking on their phones at the table. Yeah. Now, now, the picture on Instagram looked amazing. I'm sure. I mean, I didn't see it, but I'm sure it looked amazing. The reality seemed very different. And when it comes to our spirituality as followers of Jesus, we must be careful of falling into the trap of superficial look good with no substance underneath. Now Jesus would rather, now please hear me carefully, Jesus would rather you not look so good, but be solid than look sexy and be empty. Are you with me? Now this is really, really important for us because Because even in the context of our faith and religion, the danger is we get drawn into superficial stuff. Stuff that looks good on the outside. The sort of tick the box stuff that lets everybody know that I'm a good person or a follower of Jesus or a member of the bridge. And so we tick that box and we move on. And in fact, if you look at the very beginning of this sermon, Jesus sort of criticizes the the religious community for this very thing. He says to the crowd, Your righteousness, your behavior has to supersede that of the religious community, the Pharisees. Because Jesus was saying they look brilliant on the outside, but they're not really cutting it in the area where God really, really looks the most. The Lord is not impressed by what we look like. He is impressed by who we are. Are you with me? And anything then we do on the outside, as far as the biblical idea is concerned, is coming from the inside. What we mustn't allow is the outside to drive the agenda. We must allow the outside, whatever it looks like for us as followers of Jesus, let that be driven by an authentic, genuine belief system on the inside. If it's something truly living inside me, then it will flow to my world. At Christmas time, I was given the invitation to go and watch Liverpool. Come on. And, uh, and some of you know, uh, I support Liverpool, so I got the chance to go. The problem was, it was at Tottenham Hotspur's ground at the away end. So a friend of mine is a season ticket holder um, for Tottenham, his friend, who's a season ticket holder, um, was sick and couldn't go to the game. And he said to me, "John, would you like his ticket?" Uh, now, my friend, who's a season ticket holder for Tottenham, lives in Scunthorpe. Work that out. I don't know. i say I don't know why you would do that. But he, there he is. He says, "I'll take you down." We jumped on the train straight after church. Went to church in the morning jumped straight on the train down into London and I was really excited to see the Tottenham Hotspur football ground. I wanted to know what you get for a billion pounds. What does a billion pounds look like? Come on. And I have to say it's spectacular. It's a really immense um, stadium. Uh, and my friend said, listen, what we'll do is we'll go into our little supporters club and there's a members club, his members club around the corner. It's like really clandestine. It's all very secretive. And you go, and it, there's no signs or anything on the door. Suddenly you knock the door the door opens and you're in. You're into this world, this Tottenham Hotspur world. And uh, I was warned not to wear anything Liverpool. I had nothing red on me. I wore a blue jacket, God help me. It was a terrible day. It was a terrible day, and I went in, and I was suddenly into another world. I had left church at Scunthorpe, and I had just entered another church. I entered into a world where the boys and girls that I started talking to, and I got talking to quite a lot of them, the boys and girls I were talking to weren't just going to the match. They were Tottenham. This wasn't just something they were doing, this was something they are. Their their actions were an expression of a profound sense of commitment and belief system to this idea. Now, I don't know what would possess anybody to support Tottenham Hotspur. I'm not quite sure I could ever work that out, why you would do that. But here were people who were not just supporting them. This was their life. And when you got talking to them, you realize these people are spending thousands upon thousands of pounds following Tottenham. (laughs) Why would you do that? My friend warned me, you know, we went into the ground and I was sitting behind the goal. All the Liverpool supporters were underneath me and I was sitting behind. But I remember a friend, he said, John, these boys are hardcore. You got to keep a rap on it if Liverpool score and uh, do not react. And I, I thought, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can sit on my hands. Liverpool equalized. And I went, yes. The guy beside me looked at me and said, are you a scouser? And I said, no. He said, do you support Liverpool then? I said, yes. He said, you'll be all right with me. You'll be fine. I, and I survived. We survived the day, but it was amazing. It reminded me again, I had just left church and I was in another church. I had just left a religious building and I was in another religious building. And I was meeting people for whom support of their club was not superficial. But it was the core of their being. This is exactly what Jesus is driving at. He's saying... If you allow my kingdom just to remain something on the core, then it will be something you do. But if you allow my kingdom to become part of your world, then it will become something you are. When it's only something you do, you have to think about doing it. When it's something you are, you do it without thinking about it. Come on, are you with me? Does that make sense to you? And that's what Jesus is driving it. He doesn't just want a religion where we do. He wants a religion where we are. He doesn't just want something that we tick the box on. He wants something that is an authentic expression of our world. And as if to ram that point home, three ideas sort of help us with this. And well, they'll all wrap together. Hopefully it'll make sense for you in this beautiful sermon of Jesus. The first idea is this, it's fruit, okay? First idea is fruit. In our, in our reading, Jesus starts off by using the word therefore. And I was taught in Sunday school, whenever you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. It's a great little rule, seriously, great little rule. And when you see a therefore and you're reading the Bible, always read the bit before. The bit before is what the therefore is referring to. Now that bit before we didn't read this morning, but let me make a bit of a reference to you to it for you and sort of help you with this. In the therefore bit, the bit before the therefore, Jesus refers to two sort of groups of people, two categories, and in referencing them, he sort of uses the same analogy. Let me, let me show you what he does. So in verses 15 to 20, listen to the words of Jesus. Follow it with me. He says this, watch out for false prophets. Huh? He says this, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, and this is the punchline, the little mini punchline. Jesus says, thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now Jesus is speaking of false prophets. Prophets were very important people in the days of Jesus. They brought the word of God. These were people who took God's word and presented it to the people. These were serious religious people. And yet Jesus says, you will recognize them not by their words, but what? By their fruit. By their fruit. And Jesus is, is encouraging us to ask this question about ourselves and about, about maybe each other. He's asking us to ask this question, is what we are saying matching up to what we're doing? Or even to put it a better way, is what we're doing matching up to what we're saying? Sometimes we say, you know, he doesn't practice what he preaches, but really a biblical way is, well, it's preaching what you practice. That's a better way to think about it. And Jesus is saying to us, it doesn't matter how impressive the gift or how dynamic the words or how outstanding the charisma of the person, if the practice isn't matching the words, uh -uh, you have the freedom to ignore that person. Because by your fruit, Or by their fruit you'll recognize. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Then he goes on and he sort of rams the point home with a second little example. Verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now listen to this. This It's a bit scary. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. Then I will say, little punchline, then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Wow. That's a bit scary, right? Because on the surface, (laughs) did we not prophesy in your name? Wow. That's pretty impressive on the surface. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles, they're all impressive things. And in our world of of maybe being influenced by the superficial, in our world, that's just enough. That turns our head. And Jesus says, actually, it's it's good, but it's not enough. Because what I am looking for is not just fantastic actions, but those actions coming out of authentic relationship with me. Wow. I don't know about you, that makes me really think as a follower of Jesus. And the challenge to me is is what I'm doing coming out of who I am in Him? Or is what I'm doing more important than Him? And actually, what Jesus here is, is, is driving at is not that we should stop doing those good things. He's not, don't hear what he's not saying there. He's not saying these things aren't good. He's saying that actually we mustn't allow the superficial expression of those things to detract us from the reality of what he's really after. And the reality of what he's really after is a relationship with him that then allows me to commit to doing the will of God. Does that make sense to you? So Jesus then is is saying, he's talking about these wise and foolish builder. But before we even get to that, he's saying, listen, um, by by fruit you'll recognize it. It's it's not what a person says but how a person lives out of that authentic belief system. Uh, and it's not even the impressive things a person does in terms of all of those br- brilliant spiritual things, but as long as that's coming out of an authentic relationship with me. Make sense? Maybe, Maybe not. Anyway, we'll keep going because he connects it to the next bit. So if you hold those pictures in your head and then we move to the next bit, it starts to make real sense as we land this with our builders at the end. The second issue he talks about is moves from fruit to faith. Now look at this. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock now two elements that are really important to us hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice now if you've hung around the bible for a little uh, amount of time hopefully you've discovered two dynamic principles about faith there are many but there are two that are really important and if you forget everything else remember these two things these are so so important the bible teaches us that faith my faith is created by the word of God. That when I hear God's word for real, that creates faith in me to follow that word. So Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is what Jesus is leaning into because it's it's obvious, I mean, unless someone listening to Jesus has a hearing problem, it's obvious that everybody hears him. But he's not just talking about hearing with your ears. He's saying, if anyone hears me by faith, if anyone is hearing what I'm really saying, okay? And this is a strong idea right through the biblical text, the idea of not just hearing with our ears, but hearing in such a way that it leads us to the second thing about faith, and that's it. If faith is created by hearing the word, then faith is completed by doing the word. You with me? Now here's what James says. He says, as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Okay, so we've got two things going on here. Faith comes by hearing the word. So when we hear the word of Jesus, that word can create faith in us to do whatever he wants, he, he wants us to do. But then the doing of that word is the evidence that faith is at work in me, that my faith is complete on that issue. And that's why Jesus says, the man who hears and puts into practice. The two things are running together. Strong idea in the biblical text that when we hear, we know we've heard him because we do what he says. All right? So, you know, I'm, I'm a parent of, of three children. Uh, they're all adults now, but, you know, as those children were growing up, we often would have the experience that they listened, but they didn't hear. Please go and tidy your room. My children would nod. But the room remained on tidy. So what they've done is they've listened but not heard. If they hear, they will tidy their room. If they don't tidy their room, they haven't heard. In this sense. So I meet a lot of people when it comes to Jesus, listen. but don't hear. And Jesus is saying to the crowd, if you're just listening to my words, but not hearing them, then nothing's going to change. When you hear them, then you'll obey them. And in fact, it's your obeying of those words that is proof that you're hearing them. Wow, so powerful. And that's why you can have millions of people in a religious context, being impacted by religious teaching and not changing. Because they're listening. Cool words. Nice sermon, John. We're, we're maybe even reading the Bible, hearing these words, listening to these words, but until we hear them and then do them, then, then actually these words remain superficial. Does that make sense to you? And Jesus is driving at this. I've discovered that people believe they believe a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. But the evidence, the true evidence of what we believe is what we do. Are you with me? Yeah. So and that you know in the context of this series that has two levels of application. The big and fundamental level is me as a follower of Jesus. I can claim to be a follower of Jesus, but if I am not doing what He's asked me to do, I'm not following Jesus. On this issue, are you with me? Now, now yeah, I can point to the fact I became a Christian uh, as a wee boy in Belfast. I can take you to the to the place. If we could get in a time machine, I could take you to the very little room where I now. So, I've got all the experience of that. But the challenge now to me is is not what happened, but what. I am continuing to engage in and if, if I claim to be a follower of Jesus, the evidence of that is I'm doing the things that Jesus has asked me to do. And the other application, which is not really in this text, but in the context of this series really helps us is, is is even what we believe about this community, what we believe about the bridge, what we believe about each other. I, I meet a lot of Christians who believe they believe a lot of things about church, But their behavior seems to say, you don't really believe that so much. What I believe about the bridge, what I believe about my church back in Scunthorpe, what I believe about the Christian community will be evidenced in what I do. Not what I say I believe, but in what I do. In terms of my commitment to this place, my financial commitment to it, my commitment to the to the physical body, my commitment maybe to the processes and the and the callings and the purposes of this church. I, I'm committed to it because because this is what I really believe. And a lot of people believe they believe. But their actions say not so much. Yes? I mean, I talked about Tottenham and Liverpool. In reality, right, in reality, I'm not really a Liverpool supporter. I've got shirts, I've got replica shirts at home. It's the first score I look for at a weekend, whenever we're playing. I've got pictures hanging up in my little garage where my little man cave But in reality, I'm not really a supporter. Why? Because I put no money into the club. I don't really go to the games. I mean, every game I've been to at Liverpool, someone else has paid for the ticket. (laughs) Seriously. So if Jürgen was standing in front of me, I couldn't really say I've contributed to his salary in any way whatsoever. All right? I'm not really a supporter. I'm a fan. Now, now, anyone who knows me would believe I'm a supporter, but reality is I'm not. I'm a superficial fan. And that's what Jesus is driving at. He's saying to the crowd, you're going to be a superficial fan of this or, or you're, going to, you're going to become a proper supporter. You're going to lean in and grab this. And if we're prepared to do that, then everything can change. And when it comes to our local church, we can be be a fan or a supporter. Come on. You're very quiet. But this is the difference. Jesus ends with this idea. Last little idea and we're done. I'll pray. He goes from fruit... You'll recognize them by their fruit, so don't just look at the superficial, look at where it's coming from, look at the consistency, the connectedness. Then he goes to faith, real faith is hearing and doing, and then he goes to foundation. Oh, yeah, but I was just going to say, you beat me to it, bless you. Uh, the foundation, now look at these words, with this I'm closing, he said, the person Who hears my words and puts them into practice is what? Is like a wise man, wise person who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Here's the punchline again. And the punchlines for Jesus are very important. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now what's the rock here? The rock here in this context is the hearing and the doing. The rock here is the fact that um, going back to the false prophets, our words and our behavior are the same. The, The rock here, going back to the people who say, Lord, Lord, are those that are doing things out of an authentic, intimate relationship with Jesus. This is the rock. The rock is when what I hear, and what I do collide together. And Jesus says the person who hears what I say and does what I say, that action, that two actions that are really one action in his, his understanding becomes like rock on which they build their lives. I don't know if you noticed, but in the little story of Jesus that he closes with, the house of the wise man and the foolish man look the same. On the surface... And sometimes people say, why would anybody be stupid enough to build their house on the sand? Because that sounds like a really stupid thing to do, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not a DIY expert, but I know that's not good. Why would you be silly enough to build your house on the sand? Well, it's because when me and you think about sand, we think of a beach. No one would try to build a house on a beach like that. But of course, in the world of Jesus where many months of the year, were hot and dry in sections of the country. Riverbeds would dry up and a riverbed that in winter and spring was full of water by the end of the summer, uh, Middle Eastern summer, were, were, were not only dry but rock-like baked. And so someone who didn't know the locality could come along and say this looks like a great place to build a house. Why? Because this looks like rock. This looks solid. And so they build a house on what looks like solid rock. But then, of course, when the rain comes and the winds come and the rivers, did you notice the language? The river rises. Jesus is making a deliberate play on a riverbed dynamic. He said, as the rivers rise, that house is in trouble. Why? Because as soon as the water hits the sand that looks solid, it turns back to sand. Yes? And so Jesus is saying to us that actually, hearing and doing is the foundation. We're we've just we're still processing through this pandemic and through this lockdown. And what the lockdown has done has challenged the very core of our foundations. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that we thought was essential to the foundation, we're sort of discovering not so much. Other things that maybe we took for granted, we're now discovering, my goodness, these are essential. And actually what the pandemic has done, what lockdown has done, what all our experiences, whatever they are, have done, they've squeezed us. They have literally put our house under pressure, right? Or is it just my house? Every house has been under pressure. We have been put under pressure in every single way the the, the finances of my house have been put under pressure. The, the relationships in my house have been put under pressure. The, 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 the aspirations of my house have been put under pressure. The ambitions of my house have been put under pressure. But none of those things are the foundation. There are the windows and the doors and the bricks and the roof. There are the things that are important to me and a building level, but actually what the storm then puts under pressure is, what do I really believe? What do I really believe here about him? What do I really believe about his word? What do I really believe about what he said to me? And that's what gets squeezed. So some windows may be shattered, a few slates may be broken, we may need to repoint the building after the storm, but the foundation. Come on. We may not have the money we had after the lockdown that we had before it. Our world may have been shaken, Some of us, our world has literally the surface of that world has literally changed. My job has changed. My life has changed. For some of us, our health has changed. For some of us, even even the constitution of our family has changed. But the foundation, come on, remains the same. And I want to encourage you in the context of following Jesus, This is the first application. It's really the only application here, really. It's the primary application. Jesus is is saying to us, be a person who not only hears me, but, but puts my word into practice because whatever is going on around you, whatever is going on above the line, as far as your life is concerned, whatever the shape and style of the house, actually, as long as the foundation is solid, you're going to be okay. Come on, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. The house will not fall down. It might need a bit of work, but it won't fall down. It might change, but it won't fall down. We might have to readjust it, but it won't fall down because the most important thing about your house is not the windows, it's not the roof, It's not the walls of the spiritual level, it's the foundation. And if the foundation is solid, everything else will hold. And when it comes even to our journey as bridge community, the windows can change, the, the roof can change, the walls can change, the decor can change. But what helps us as a Christian community to keep going is fundamentally what we believe about each other. What we believe about Jesus' plan for this community. What we believe about what he said to this community and what we're prepared to do as a result of that community. That becomes the unchanging foundation. The framework can change. The superficial will change. It's bound to change. It has to change. But the foundation, what we believe, and what we're prepared to do about what we believe, that becomes the unchanging rock on which communities get built. Whatever happens, we're not budging from that. Whatever the house looks like, we're not budging from that. Whatever the storm, we're not budging from that. Whatever goes on, we're not budging from that. Jesus says the wise man is the person who hears and does. And when he does that, he builds his house on the rock. I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus, whatever your house is looking like right now, Now listen to me carefully, hear the word of the Lord. Some of you are looking at the state of your house and because of that, you're tempted to neglect your foundation, right? Whatever the house looks like, don't neglect the foundation. Stay hearing and doing because the house can be repaired. The house can be reshaped, but stay on that foundation. Some of you are coming out of the lockdown. You're looking at your church and wondering, what do I believe about any of this again? Come back to the foundation of believing that this is what Jesus believes in. Not just the bridge, but the church. He believes in the church. It's his number one plan to save the world. And this local church is part of that amazing plan. And what we believe about it and what we're prepared to do about it will be our foundation. Amen? Yeah. Will you stand with me? The band are going to lead us in a song. But let me pray for you. I know I may have said some things today that are, are challenging or tough. they're tough. I've been a Christian a million years and I read these words and I, they really dig into me. Am I... Am I settling for superficial? Am I settling for just ticking a spiritual box? Or am I prepared to go deep into Him, into an authentic relationship with Him, into daring to do what He asks? And Jesus says to me, Jesus says to you, if you're prepared to do that, that's rock. That's where the rock is. Like you, I've been challenged. What do I believe about the church? Moments when I've sat online and watched it, I thought, I'm not sure this is what I believe about the church. Church is a community. Church is a family. Thank God for the technology. Well, where would we be without it? The technology's been amazing. But if I did my marriage online, we'd be divorced by now. If I'd raise my kids online, they'd hate me by now. Some things online helps. Some things our belief says we've got to push in a bit further. So Lord Jesus, I pray, help us. Every person in this room, every person online, We're all at different places, different journeys. Our houses are in different conditions, but Lord, we are being called to the same foundation. A foundation where what we hear you say and what we practice becomes the solid rock on which we build. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you will help every single one of them to have the courage Not to settle for the superficial. Not to settle for just ticking a box. Not to settle for just being a fan. But to press in. Dig deep. Hear and obey. Become a true follower and supporter in the everyday moments of our lives. And Lord, we leave the condition of our house to you because we trust in the power of the foundation. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing on my brothers and sisters. I pray your blessing on this church community. I pray your blessing on the leadership and family of the bridge. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this will be a community built on rock. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be men and women built on rock. And I pray that our homes and our families and our marriages will be built on rock. And I ask this, Lord, for your glory, for your honor, and for the esteem of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.